Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, it is Red River Shootout Week, State Fair of Texas, the Cotton Bowl right in the middle of 100,000 um, burnt orange and crimson fans, and then another 200,000 out in the fair getting corny dogs and riding rides and you know doing all the midway stuff, the greatest game day atmosphere in sports. Are you ready? I am, Chip. I mean, I, I look forward to covering this game every single year, even though, um, you know, the last number of years have not gone in Texas' favor. It still does not take away from just how special this game really is. It's one of those that if you had not been there, um, it's hard to truly grasp how unique the atmosphere is inside the Cotton Bowl. If you ever have had a chance to be on the field for this game and actually feel the different, the, the momentum shift from just the crowd noise with the divide at the 50 yard line. It's something that is hard to really put into words. And I, I feel I, every time I cover this game, I honestly feel like it is, it's, um, it's a blessing, honestly, a little bit because it's just so unique. It's so special. And the, the rivalry is so heated. It's, you know, a hundred plus year rivalry. Uh, this year's game probably doesn't have the allure as much as say what last year was with Texas and Oklahoma, both being ranked, you know, college game day was there last year. Big noon kickoff was there last year. All eyes were on it and, and it did not disappoint. It did disappoint Texas fans, but the game itself was just exactly why they called it the red river shootout. Cause it was exactly how, you know, uh, that game ended up last season, but uh, I'm definitely excited. I, I always enjoy covering this game, so I am ready. And I think the bigger question is, is Texas ready being the favorites entering this game more, more than just a point or two, an actual touchdown favorite as of Tuesday? That's going to be the biggest question, I think, uh, entering this, this game is can Texas handle that type of pressure and that type of attention where people are expecting them to win, which really has not been the case in years past, Chip. Yeah, I mean, they are the favorite in this game for the first time since 2009, 
Let that sink in for a minute, folks. Texas is the favorite in the Red River shootout for the first time since 2009. And we're talking about um, the left turn that Oklahoma has made in the last two games, the the loss at home to K-State and 41-34, and then the beatdown that Oklahoma took in Fort Worth last weekend against TCU, losing 55-24. TCU had scored 41 points at halftime, and OU's defense looked like they were playing the dizzy bat game. I mean, they gave up touchdowns of uh, four touchdowns of 62 yards or longer, including a 67-yard run by quarterback Max Duggan. And and that's probably the most interesting aspect of OU's two losses, back-to-back losses, is the quarterbacks in those games. Adrian Martinez, Max Duggan, both uh, rushing for over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. And so um, this is going to be fascinating to see uh, where Texas is. Now, obviously, Oklahoma also has a major injury issue at quarterback. Dylan Gabriel took a absolutely horrible hit from Kamoy Hodge of TCU. I mean, Dylan Gabriel sliding feet first, which is like, don't touch the quarterback. And Kamoy Hodge just goes right at him, you know, bounces his head off the turf. Uh, he's out uh, of that game. And we presume that he'll probably be out for this game, which means OU's now uh, into their backup quarterbacks who no one had ever heard of until last week. Davis Bevel, who was a backup quarterback at Pitt behind Kenny Pickett, who transferred to Oklahoma. Uh, And then you've got Nick Evers, who's a kid from Flower Mound, freshman quarterback, um, who Brent Venables kind of uh, suggested might be in the mix competing for the job. Um, but you're right, Taylor. I mean, and there are other injuries, uh, Eric gray, the running back who I think is going to be back for the Texas game. Who's been productive for OU. Uh, but Marcus majors at running back left the TCU game or was not a part of the TCU game because he was injured. And both of their offensive tackles, Wanye Morris and Anton Harrison, uh, were out of the TCU game at different points, uh, because of injury. And so, and Billy Bowman, maybe their best defensive player at safety, uh, also left the TCU game injured. So depending on who's all back for OU, but the big question at, at quarterback is the reason why Texas opened as a four-point favorite and quickly shot to a seven-point favorite. The, the betting public thinks OU is a three-legged dog right now, and, and that's the danger for Texas, Taylor, because you and I have covered games where Texas looked like the three-legged dog uh, in 2013, in 2015, and came in to the Cotton Bowl and caught OU napping and left with a big win, an unexpected win. And that's what Texas has to guard against this Saturday at 11 a.m. Yeah, it's the exact opposite, honestly, of what Texas has faced a lot of times entering this game, at least in in recent history. You go back to 2013 when Mac Brown was a dead man walking, you know, just limping to the end of his career as a, a legendary Texas head coach. You go back to 
Charlie Strong, 2015, Case McCoy. Was that Case McCoy's game? No, oh, yeah. that was – oh, yeah, well, that was Case – Case McCoy was 2013, yep. 2013, yeah. And then, yeah, 2015, Gerard Texas – yeah, Texas finishes the season Foreman. five and seven, and somehow one of their five wins that year was against Oklahoma. I mean, it's a, uh, it's definitely the tables have turned in a way that I don't think a lot of people expected um, at all. I, honestly, I, I don't know if many people expected both teams to have two losses going into this game, let alone OU entering the game in a two-game losing streak. And I think Chip. I was thinking about this as we were preparing for our show today is I feel like we're going to get a lot of answers about Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach, because in this situation, in this game, normally I always say all bets are off, you know, uh, records don't matter. It's such a unique game. It's such a momentum shifting type of game that a lot of times you throw all, uh, odds all type of logic out the window more times than not when these two teams face off with that 50 yard uh, yard line divide in the cotton bowl but all things are favoring texas in this and this is probably and i'm not trying to pile down ou but this is probably the worst ou team i've seen in my career covering the you know the university of texas and the big 12 uh football and the fact if if for some reason, I feel like this is a situation where the logic, the odds actually do play into this game because after what happened last year in the Cotton Bowl with Texas just absolutely annihilating OU in that first half and then ending up losing that game um, in Steve Sarkeesian's first year, if, if, if he can't win this game against Oklahoma, against this Oklahoma team, I feel like there's big questions as to what the future under his uh, reign really is. And, and I hate being that person. Like I, I try, I think that teams or schools are way too quick, especially Texas has been way too quick to fire coaches or put them on the hot seat or anything like that. Um, but this is a perfect situation for Sark to say, whatever happened last year is not who we are. It's not who I am as a head coach. We're going to take care of business when the business is there to be taken care of. And we are favored in a, in a way that Texas has not been favored in this game for many years now. As you said, last time, 2009, I mean, my goodness, I was still in college then. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is that's how long ago this was. So um, I feel like you're going to learn a lot about Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach, which actually probably adds a little bit more pressure both to him and to Texas because everybody is expecting Texas to win. And he has to win this game, in my opinion. He has to win this game to shut out any noise of his future, the trajectory of the program, all of that, because this is a winnable game and they need to make a statement, in my opinion, Chip. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You may have a totally different opinion on that. Well, it's it's such a big game because it's so important to the to the fan bases. And you're right, Texas had their hearts, the fan base had their hearts ripped out last year. And I would say Sarkin team did too. I mean, oh yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. everybody did. Yeah. Everybody did. And you 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 picked up this stigma of not being able to finish because of that game, because of the Oklahoma game. And then it followed against Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas ends up going one and five last year away from home. And then it rears up again two weeks ago in Lubbock 
when Texas is up 31-17, looks like they got the game in control. And then the defense can't get off the field. And they lose that game in overtime, 37-34. And the offense couldn't stay on the field either. It was and the offense couldn't stay on the field. Um, and so now Texas is one in six in their last seven games away from home. In fact, uh, their win against TCU last year uh, to open Big 12 play was the last time they won a game away from home. And so Texas has lost seven in a row away from home. Um, and that's that's frightening. I mean, that, that's that got to change. If you're ever going to be a, a, play, a program that, can win a championship, you got to be able to win everywhere. And, and so this is going to be fascinating. We know that Texas players had a players only meeting last week after the loss to Texas tech about tightening up the details. We got some details about that meeting from the players this week, Roshan Johnson doing most of the talking uh, about, Hey, it's about tightening up details everywhere from keeping our locker room clean to making sure that you're doing every single thing uh, as a part of your job on the field. And then everything will come together. They feel good about it after what happened against West Virginia, but then there was that nagging. And we talked about this after the game, the 18 play drive, 14 play drive um, that West Virginia was able to muster in the fourth quarter. And you're kind of going, ah, you know, it was such a masterpiece right up until then. But you're right. This is an Oklahoma team that has serious questions. Their fan base, if you go over to OUinsider.com and look at their message board, their fan base is like, where's another win on our schedule? They are fully expecting to get beaten by Texas this weekend. And that, again, is this dangerous place to be. And you're right. Steve Sarkeesian, it's on him to keep the noise out, keep these players focused. Um, and, and look, I said we could have quarterback changes for both of these teams coming into this game. OU out of necessity, Texas maybe because Quinn Ewers could be back from that sternoclavicular sprain he suffered against Alabama, but Taylor, we're, you know, we're recording, um, early in the week and, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card are splitting reps and, you know, we're hearing this thing could go till later in the week before Steve Sarkeesian decides it is not, it's not a slam dunk at this point in the week as to who's going to start a quarterback for Texas. So that's interesting to say the least, um, because as we mentioned tech, I mean, OU has struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Does that mean Steve Sarkeesian? Might keep Hudson Card in there and maybe incorporate some more quarterback runs. Um, interesting. Yeah, it, it's a question that I think he needs to figure out. But it's if you look at the way that OU's defense is playing against more mobile quarterbacks, against Adrian Martinez, um, he rushed for over 100 yards. Let me pull up the stats here. Against Oklahoma. So he had 148 rushing yards against Oklahoma. Um, Max Duggan had 116 rushing yards against Oklahoma in last week's game on only and, five carries. Yeah. And so obviously mobile quarterbacks are a huge issue for Oklahoma, 
And so logic said, and maybe, maybe this is throwing the logic out the window. Logic says maybe Hudson card, especially if there's a question of the, um, how healthy Quinn Ewers is entering this game. Maybe Hudson card gives Texas a better chance regardless of it, but it's going to come down to Steve Sarkeesian allowing Hudson card to actually use his legs. And that is something he doesn't like doing. He doesn't like having his quarterbacks. Uh, he doesn't like having the quarterbacks run um, or have to re rely on the quarterback run game. And, and there's logic behind that. I get it. You know, uh, quarterbacks get hit a lot in games. And if you put them out in the open field, you're just asking for a potential disastrous situation to, to go down. But if you look at what OU has been doing against mobile quarterbacks, you have to sit there and be like, maybe this is the best case scenario, even if Quinn Ewers is good to go, or he may not be a hundred percent. I don't think anybody's expecting him to be a hundred percent, but if he Steve Sarkeesian before the West Virginia game said Quinn was available. So he was available for that game. He's probably continuing to progress. You hope if you're a Texas fan, you hope if you're Steve Sarkeesian that he is, but why not try to use, you know, utilize Hudson Card's legs and, uh, and try to just continue to show that this OU run defense, especially against quarterbacks is a problem. And, and I, I feel like this is, this is why he gets paid, obviously, you know, $5 million plus per year. Um, but it's not just a matter, in my opinion, of Hudson Card being the mobile quarterback. It's Steve Sarkeesian, if he wants to recognize and allow him to open up the quarterback run game when it's clearly been a problem for Oklahoma. That's something we have yet to see from Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive play caller. He, I think, has a little bit more flexibility with Hudson card being in there with possibly tucking in and running it. But obviously Hudson card only has done that under duress, you know, under situations, he's done a much better job of staying in the pocket this year compared to last year. And so I feel like you almost have to open up that opportunity for him. If you're going to go with him for the starting quarterback and I I'm no play caller, I don't know, but I, I feel like that that's what the logic says. At, now, at least at this point, after the last two games that OU has had against Big 12 quarterbacks who are mobile. Yeah, and I'm not sure you'd be saying that if Hudson Card didn't have a 21 of 27 passing game, 300 yards passing, a couple touchdowns to to Xavier Worthy. Um, Xavier Worthy threw a touchdown pass to Javion Sanders. Uh, but yeah, Hudson Card, we're seeing improvement from him. And so there's probably a little more confidence out there among coaches, fans in Hudson card as the quarterback. I mean, after there that should first, be, there should be right. There should right. be. He's earned like that. all season. Yeah. He's earned now, it even against Alabama playing on I'll, one leg still. I'll say this. Um, Got to do it on the road in a crazy environment. And I mean, the offense couldn't stay on the field at Texas tech. Uh, Hudson card had the interception, um, uh, you know, should have seen the safety over the top. Didn't, uh, in Texas tech territory. Uh, so it's, it, look, you're right. Steve Sarkeesian gets paid the big bucks to make this call. Quinn Ewers is his handpicked guy. If Quinn Ewers is the healthier quarterback, then I think it's Quinn Ewers, but this, uh, as we've said, the sternoclavicular sprain is a painful injury. And unless it's allowed to heal all the way, that thing can nag. It can come back. 
Uh, Sam Ellinger had a similar situation with a rib, rib cartilage, uh, really painful a couple of years ago that he had to play through um, all the, you know, most of the season. Because uh, I think he suffered that in, against Texas Tech early in the year that year. But uh, this is going to be fascinating. Now, with the way that Oklahoma's defense is defending the run or not defending the run, they are dead last in the Big 12, giving up 198 yards per game on the ground, 5.5 per carry. This should be a Bijan Robinson bonanza. I mean, this should be similar to what we saw against TCU last year. TCU's defense, as we know, struggled to stop the run. You know, only Kansas was worse with their run defense. And now look at Kansas for crying out loud. But Bijan ran for, what, 35 carries, 216 yards, and a couple touchdowns, and single-handedly ran out the clock in that game in the fourth quarter. And with the way Oklahoma is reeling, uh, this should be a game where Texas can pound the rock and we'll see because stranger things have happened in this game. Uh, you'll expect Oklahoma's players in that atmosphere to give every single bit they've got. They won't look like the OU team that uh, got boat raced at TCU. Now, I'll be honest, I thought after getting beat at home by K-State, we would have seen a laser-focused, sharp Oklahoma team, um, but we didn't. And so uh, it's fascinating because this game uh, means so much to the fan bases, and a bunch of Texas players have never won this game, Taylor. I think Anthony Cook and a couple of fifth-year guys uh, were part of that 2018 win, but the rest, like Rojan Johnson said, I've never won this game. That's got to change. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, I think so. It would be uh, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, Marvin Overshone, Moro Ojimo. Uh, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. Keandre Coburn Christian would have been Jones. there. Yeah, Christian Jones. I mean, the fact that we have to sit here and be like, okay, how many of these guys have actually won this game should show that. Texas needs to win this game, right? I mean, like that. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I mean, this is this is bragging rights that you have for the whole year. And one thing Steve Sarkeesian did say during his Monday press conference when he was asked about kind of the issues that you know OU has had, how to keep the guys focused. What he said is, last time I checked, when I go out into our facility, there's no gold hat there. So that should be motivation in itself. And you hope. You hope that the players actually understand that and realize that, hey, you know, this is the best odds that we've had going into this game. Let's prove it and not be the ones that are like, oh, Texas can't, you know, they play up or down to whatever opponent that they have and OU's their daddy, even a bad OU team that is 0-2 in Big 12 play. I mean, that that's the narrative they have to erase going into this game chip and and it needs and it has to be done. And it not just for the players, but also for Steve Sarkeesian. When you look at the rest of the the schedule that Texas has, there's no gimmies. Like there's none. Even Kansas is not a gimme. I mean, my goodness, this week of games, Alabama and, and AM are playing. Texas and Texas or Texas and OU are playing. Where's college game day? Lawrence, Kansas. Like, if you want to know what the state of college football is, it's just so crazy this year. But especially the Big 12, the fact that that's where college game day is, 
when Texas OU was on the schedule, Alabama A&M, especially after all that beef between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban during the offseason, you would have thought that all, all eyes would be either on either one of those two games, but they're not. And so Texas has no, like they need to make a statement, in my opinion, in this game, especially when you look at the rest of the schedule moving forward. There's there's really no gimme games. And then there's Iowa State next that went toe-to-toe with Kansas, obviously, a field goal away from going into overtime in that game. And then there's Oklahoma State before a bye week. And then they're going to Kansas, the state of Kansas, twice in the month of November. So um, this is a chance that Texas, Texas, I think, can really build momentum for itself as it moves through this really unpredictable Big 12 conference slate of games that they have ahead. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, this is... Um, a really important step. We talk all the time. Sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week improvement. They took a sideways step against Texas Tech, but then they took a forward step against West Virginia. Now they're going back out on the road where we've said they have lost six in a row away from home. And they got to answer that question. And and so this will be big. And Brent for Brent Venables, um, who... You know, and it and listen to our podcast with Gabe Eichard, the former Oklahoma offensive lineman uh, and Sirius XM Big 12 radio star, because he said, I grew up an OU fan and I haven't felt this dejected about OU football since the John Blake era in the in the late 90s when Gabe was like 10 or five or something. Which- probably would have fallen was he the coach there in 98 he was the one right before yes stoops yep. so the last time that texas and ou both were unranked in the ap top 25 poll was 1998 so there you go yeah. and they're both unranked this year so first time in I, i'm not great at math what 24 years now yeah so that's that tells you something and and gabe you know we talked to gabe uh on sunday He's uh he's part of the OU radio broadcast. He was in Fort Worth for that thing. I mean, you know, he he was pretty dejected. And Brent Venables is an interesting character because he's not only the defensive-minded guy, he's been the defensive coordinator at Clemson. In fact, Steve Sarkeesian and Brent Venables went head to head in 2016 when Sarkeesian took over for Lane Kiffin. Um and when Jalen Hurts was still the quarterback and Alabama scores with like a minute left to, to take the lead. You think Alabama's going to win the game. And then Deshaun Watson goes right through the Alabama defense and then ends up hitting Hunter Renfro on like, you know, the last play of the game to win. It was an amazing game. Um, but so these two know each other, but Brent Venables has Ted roof as his defensive coordinator. Ted roof was the defensive coordinator at Auburn when uh, Cam Newton won the national championship for Auburn. And I, I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> you know, Ted Roof knows what he's doing. I mean, he's been a yeah. part of some big time programs. And the question is, is Venables meddling too much? Does he need to just take over the defense? Um, or are the players getting mixed signals? Because they were so out of position last week that you couldn't believe it. Like, Guys were wide open. You no other OU defender in the picture on some of these touchdowns, these long touchdowns. So it's 
going to be fascinating to see how quickly OU can get things fixed in a week because Brent Venables is obviously feeling the pressure here when you start talking about all these firsts uh, that you just mentioned and not in a good way, uh, you know, taking you back to the John Blake era. It's It's been an amazing transition, succession from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. And now it's like record scratch. So there's pressure on both teams, but it's, um, I swear that atmosphere just takes on a life of its own. And um, the more physical team wins. Usually Barry Switzer told me the team with the best quarterback wins um, and the team that's most physical. So we uh, will see. Um, because there are quarterback questions for both sides in this one, Taylor. Yeah, there is. And and I think that that kind of goes back to this being even more important for Steve Sarkeesian, because I think it's been clear Texas has had a backup quarterback for the last three straight games, including, you know, three quarters of week two game against Alabama. So close to four straight weeks, they've had a backup quarterback lead the team and he's done a, a way better than what anybody would expect a backup quarterback to do, I think. And you look at OU and their backup quarterback situation is far from what Texas has. So that even to me, Chip, shows that the pressure is even more so on Steve Sarkeesian because he has not just a capable backup, but a a, a, a probably a backup quarterback that every coach in college football would kill to have on the roster as either a backup or a starter. A lot of them would probably want Hudson Card as a starting quarterback. And so Texas has the benefit there and the edge there, regardless of which quarterback starts, where OU's quarterback picture is kind of in shambles a little bit. But even more so, that, in my opinion at least, shines a big old spotlight even more on Steve Sarkeesian needing to get this win because you can't use the excuse that Brent Venables can use if if Texas beats OU, he has the excuse of our starting quarterback was unable to play if if Dylan Gabriel does not play and their backup picture is nowhere near as good as what their backup picture was last year when Lincoln Riley was the head coach facing Texas and Steve Sarkeesian's first year. Like Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have the excuse of the injury to the starting quarterback and needing to rely on the backup. Now, if for some reason, God forbid, I'm not even going to speak to existence, but the current picture right now is that, that that there's no excuse, in my opinion, for Steve Sarkeesian or Texas offense to not put up a good performance against this really interesting, unexpected, shamble type of picture that OU's defense has become under a defensive-minded head coach in Brent Venables because it's been proven that Hudson Card obviously is capable of winning games. He's capable of going toe-to-toe with the number one team at the time in the country. And there's just no excuse. And it's like Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have much room for excuses in general coming off of a five and seven season. That season started to crumble with this game last year. He's got to make, I just feel like the pressure is on him and we're going to learn a lot about him um, as as a head coach at Texas, honestly, in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's that's a hot take, uh, but it's true because if Texas were to lose this game, uh, the fan base, the Texas fan base, would be moribund. And Gabe Eichard basically said that in uh, in the podcast interview that we did with him on Monday of this week. So check that out because he said 
well, you just got to listen to it. He, you're catching a, a, a former OU player and lifelong OU fan um, reeling with his team. <laughs> and it, it, he's a funny guy to begin with. And so uh, it's interesting perspective. Taylor, the um, the uh, the game will be at 11 a.m. And you've got, um, you know, all the uh, all the players saying that no matter who's the quarterback, they feel like they're going to be able to handle the atmosphere. We don't know what on earth Davis Bevel is all about. Like, I'm trying to find stuff about Davis Bevel, but he was the backup to Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh. And Pickett had a record-setting year and ended up being a first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Davis Bevel got some garbage time. He played in the bowl game um, against Michigan State, but he was not impressive at TCU. That's for sure. He was 7 of 16, 55-0 yards passing. So um, maybe that's why Brent Venables mentioned the freshman quarterback Nick Evers from Flower Mound as a, as a possibility. Um, special teams-wise, OU does have a punter and Matt Turk, who's phenomenal. He's a Ray guy type of uh, guy, but, um, and look, their offense is productive with guys like Marvin Mims and Eric Gray at running back. Uh, even Javante Barnes, the young running back who, who got a lot of carries last week uh, against TCU. Um, they've, they've got guys, but the question is, do they have a quarterback who can, get the ball to their weapons. So um, it, it's, gosh, everything piles up for, for Texas to win this game. All right. Um, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around. We have probably a lot more hot takes coming up here in love it or leave it as we preview Texas and Oklahoma in the Red River Showdown. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. All right. I'm going to start with a hot take topic first. Love it or leave it. Quinn Ewers will start at quarterback for Texas this week against Oklahoma. Uh, I was afraid you're going to ask me this. You know what? At this point in the week. Tuesday at 4.15 p.m. as of recording right now before Chip says this. <laughs> Tuesday at 4.15 I am going to I'm going to leave this because I don't know. I don't know yet. Um I I'm getting mixed signals right now. I I 
they're splitting reps. Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers are splitting reps uh, through Tuesday. Now, this is the the day of the week last week where uh, Quinn Ewers woke up the next day with soreness and they decided not to to push it. I'm going to leave this because I don't know. Uh, I'm hearing it could be, you know, later in the week that Sark decides this. I thought it was going to be Quinn Ewers. I still kind of think it's going to be Quinn Ewers, but I don't have conviction, so I'm not going to love it. I'm going to leave it, Taylor. How about you? Man, I thought you were going to love this one because I, uh, one of our our viewers, uh, shout out to him. He made a comment on our video on um, last week saying that we don't disagree enough on love it or leave it. So I was thinking that you were going to say you love it, and I was going to say I leave it, but I agree. I'm go- I'm going to have to leave this just because I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, as you mentioned, you know, with the way that the week kind of played out last week with Quinn Ewers having some soreness after that Tuesday practice and um, Sark obviously going with Hudson Card. Plus, you look at this matchup potential nightmare for OU if you have a mobile quarterback. I mean, at some point, you, you've got to, you know, strike while the iron's hot in your favor against the type of uh, potential issues or, you know, um, problems that are showing up against these type of style of quarterbacks like OU has shown up in the last two weeks. Uh, It makes you wonder if Quinn's not 100%, if Hudson's a better option in general just because of that. And, you know, if he doesn't pan out, then Quinn could go in the game or something. I don't know. It's all up in the air right now. So I don't feel comfortable loving this. And I don't know if I would feel comfortable loving it if it, if we were hearing better things about Quinn's progression at this point, honestly, because I feel like you have to, Steve Sarkeesian himself on Monday said, you got to play the quarterback who's going to give you the best chance to win a game. It doesn't matter. His philosophy is, it doesn't matter if it's the starter, if it's the backup, if it's the guy with the hot hand, whatever it is, you got to play. He, his philosophy is go with the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Hudson Card's the mobile quarterback. Quinn Ewers has not played since September 10th, was it, right? September 10th, the uh, one quarter, which he was in like fantastic. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, say anything negative about him. He was really, really good in that Alabama game. And I think that hurt Texas fans even more seeing him leave that game and still hasn't returned. But at some point, their skill sets may be panning out to where Hudson's could be more beneficial. Now it's going to come down to Steve Sarkeesian actually allowing um, Hudson Card to use his legs though too. If he's not willing to do that and you know Quinn's healthy enough to start then I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn starts but there's just a a potential matchup um, nightmare that is against OU and in the favor of Texas with Hudson Card being a mobile quarterback. So all that say I'm going to leave it for a number of reasons um, but mainly because we we just don't know right now. And Steve Sarkeesian, let's be honest, he's not going to tip his hand in any way, shape, or form leading up to the game. So we're going to have to rely on our sources on this one too. <laughs> That's right. He said, we're healthier than we've been all season at quarterback. We'll see how the week progresses. Yeah. No surprise there. But all right. So second one for you. Love it or leave it. The pressure has gone through the roof for Texas to win Saturday and end OU's four-game winning streak in the series. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to love this because of the quirky, crazy nature of Texas becoming the favorite in this game uh, with OU unraveling. So that 55-24 beatdown of OU by TCU is still so fresh in everyone's mind. And again, OU defenders looking like they were point shaving. They were so out of position um, that... Texas fans who've been heartbroken going to the Cotton Bowl the last uh, three years. Uh, they also lost that Big 12 title game uh, in 2018. But, um, you know, this is the year to go. Like, if you can get a ticket, go. Because it's a bucket list game. And Taylor said it. I mean, I have my cousin from Pittsburgh who... Big Steelers fan doesn't give a flip about Texas or OU came down for this game and was like, holy bleep. That was amazing. And, and so, you know, this is the game to go to. If you can get a ticket, go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but opportunity, but yeah, I mean, look, they got to win because the fan base is expecting the win, especially if Dylan Gabriel's not playing. So I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree again. Dang it, Chip, but I'm going to have to agree. Yeah. The pressure is absolutely through the roof. And, um, you know, if, if Dylan Gabriel even finished the game against TCU and they still lost, it would have been through the roof too. But the fact that, that Oklahoma is potentially going to be starting a backup quarterback, that was, um, I, I feel bad saying this, like bad, let's be honest against TCU. Like he was not good in any way. Didn't account for any, he was not ready. Questions. He did not prepare like the starter Taylor. Exactly. And so uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, all, all things considered, yeah, the pressure is absolutely on Texas. It's through the roof right now. Even Vegas odds, having Texas, um, a touchdown favorite early in the week over, Oklahoma, when I feel like the line's been going the opposite way for Texas in the last number of games, not in their favor. I feel like just all things considered, yes, the pressure is absolutely through the roof for Texas to win Saturday. And and honestly, Steve Sarkeesian really, really needs to answer it and, and show that he and this team and this program under his direction can handle the pressure. He has not shown that yet. They came close against Alabama the end of the day, the scoreboard said that Alabama won that game. It was a great game. It was a close game. They still lost. The pressure's on, and it's time to answer the call. So I, I'm going to have to uh, love this, too. Okay. All right. Final one. Love it or leave it. A win Saturday would not count as a first signature win for Steve Sarkeesian because OU is in such bad shape right now. You know... A win over OU is so satisfying that it might count as a signature win. But here's the deal. If Texas boat races OU, everyone will love it from the Texas side of things because OU will clear out of the Cotton Bowl sometime during the fourth quarter before the game ends. And that's always the greatest sign of victory. That's your... That's your touchdown dance is watching one half of the Cotton Bowl clear out before the game is over because they don't want to hear about it leaving the stadium from the other side. They don't want to deal with the traffic either at the end right. of the game. <laughs> they're, they're like, let's get out of here. We 
we both sides have a three hour drive home. So let's, let's go. Um, so I'm going to leave this. Um, cause I went over OU ending a four game losing streak is significant. I'll, I'll say it'll count as a signature win for Steve Sarkeesian. Now, if Oklahoma goes on to be five and seven, I want a receipt so I can <laughs> return this gift, but I'll leave it for now. Taylor. Dang it. I for sure thought that you were going to love this one, honestly. Um, but no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it to, I, I feel like anytime you can get a win over a rival, especially a rival opponent who is just, I mean, you know, there's the oldest players on this Texas roster that have been on campus for five years have never beaten OU. So that in itself is a signature win, I would say. Um, we may be talking about more moral victories <laughs> than anything else, but I feel like anytime you can get a win and a handed win over a rival opponent, especially a rival that has just kind of had your number for um, at least four years. And uh, I, I feel like that's something that you can't discredit. And especially for a team that is coming off of a five and seven season that is, um, you know, has already has their, their uh, 500 and big 12 play. This puts them on the better half or the better side of that, I think. And I think it could build momentum for the rest of the, the season for the schedule that Texas does have to face if Texas can handedly beat Oklahoma. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to leave this and say that if Texas mainly, especially if Texas can like handedly take care of business against Oklahoma to where, as you said, if they're leaving the OU fans are leaving the Cotton Bowl in the second half of the game then that should count as a signature win. Now, if it's a close game, I would probably, maybe we need to have a love it or leave it post-game edition <laughs> if we want to change this one. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. if it's a close game, I don't know if I'd consider that a signature win. But if Texas actually handles Oklahoma and um, takes care of business, does what they should do against a, a team that's kind of flailing right now, then yeah, I would consider it a signature win. And it'd be the first time that Texas has had the golden hat trophy in their possession for the next 365 days. Those are bragging rights that don't go away for next the next year. And you can talk about if ands or buts, you know, if you're on the OU side, the losing side, Texas has been doing that for years. I feel like, like, well, this, this is why we don't have, you know I mean? Like the excuses start coming out as like, that probably makes it even a better victory when those start coming to the table. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to agree with you, dang it. And leave it. I wish I had, I can't pull up the YouTube right now while we're recording, but I wish I had the, the um, viewer who made that comment about it. So I apologize to you though. You know who I'm talking to. I, I responded to your message on the, the comment section of YouTube. I apologize that we once again agree on every single one, but I'll make sure that we find something we disagree about soon here. Well, look for the uh, Bijan Mustardson mascot. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw him uh, on the like um, on MLK when I was driving to the stadium. Yeah, he uh, was at the, the West, West Virginia, Virginia game, game, and he's making the trip to Dallas. So Bijan Mustardson, the mascot, will be uh, traipsing around the State Fair of Texas, and um, you know that's always a good time. And by the way, little trivia for your tailgate this weekend 
1998, the last time these two teams both came in uh, unranked and with two losses, Texas won that game 34-3. to Ricky Williams wore Doak Walker's jersey, number 37, and Texas cleared out the Cotton Bowl of OU fans by, like, pretty early in the fourth quarter. So... <laughs> Um, we'll see if history can repeat itself for the Longhorns, but either way, we will be, uh, here talking to you after the game. So, uh, make sure you join us for our post game wrap on the flagship podcast. Make sure you listen to Gabe Eichert in that interview we did with Gabe on Monday, because he is, <laughs> he sort of embodies the OU fan base right now. Um, and until next time for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.